0: Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best founders and investors to help you scale your business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is a very special one. His name is Christoph, the co founder and MD at Finmatics. Christoph, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Mike. Uh, it's a pleasure and honor to be with you today.
0: My pleasure. You have a, a, an amazing career in, in multinational companies, and you have decided to start your own company. And it's incredible to see a company that was able to bootstrap for for seven years to 105 people, uh, 5 million ARR. But I will not uh, talk too much before raising the, the A round at the end of 22 uh, it's, it's always amazing to see this kind of, uh, of journey. So congratulations. It's, it's quite, uh, unique, but before going on on that, I will give you the word to kind of introduce yourself, give, give to the audience the background on you and, uh, why did you decide to start, uh, Finmatics?
1: Yeah. Thank you very much, Mike. Uh, I will happily, uh, do so. So I am, um, an accountant by heart, by passion. And uh, I really love um, the accounting industry, which might sound to many people uh, weird out there um, because maybe um, accounting typically is not something which touches uh, too many hearts, but is uh, rather Mm -hmm. a pain for many organizations. (laughs) Um, However, so with uh, Finmatics, we have created um, a software company, which is a B2B, AI-based SaaS company for automation collaboration for accounting professionals. And uh, as you said before, we have started that seven years ago, um, and uh, it is the output of my professional experience, I would call it. Um, I've started after university uh, in multinational American companies, and I've always worked in accounting. So I was reflecting for the podcast as well of why I think that I actually chose the accounting track and uh, I figured out oh. that there was one exam uh, which I failed at the university which was the accounting exam. I forgot about that <laughs> now for 30 years uh, but uh, uh, thinking Good about selective that... memory. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about that, that that might might be the reason.
0: So you just erase the things that don't go go well. You know that there are a lot of people that love to dwell about what doesn't go well in your life. So that's a great skill. Congratulations.
1: (laughs) And um, yeah, I started with um, large American multinationals in the era of finance. um, had a good um, education in these companies and was raising fairly quickly within the accounting departments uh, to global responsibilities. So within five years of of working, uh, because I was curious and passionate about what I was doing and there was a nascent industry as well, which at the beginning of the year 2000s, Arose on the horizon, which was the BPO, Business Process Outsourcing and Shared Service Industry. So Mm -hmm. I became MD of uh, shared service organizations of uh, American companies in Central Eastern Europe uh, and then also globally uh, for a company called uh, Flex, where I had a few thousand accountants uh, working for me in China, India. Central Eastern Europe and also um, um, Latin America. So um, okay. after that, um, I said, "Okay, um, what what do I want to do? Do I want to have ten thousand or twenty thousand or fifty thousand accountants uh, working <laughs> for me um, and uh, running the back office organizations of of such large organizations?" and um, there uh, was in the fortunate position that uh, I got a call from a company called McKinsey, uh, which might be known, uh, yeah. which said, "Okay, um, what about um, consulting in that area uh, where you have uh, right. so much of uh, operational expertise?" So I joined McKinsey. It was an incredibly interesting um, experience, um, very challenging, a lot of. Uh, Super projects, very smart people, right. incredible learnings. I did that for three years in the area of advising accounting departments uh, for global. Right. Uh, I was on your companies. <laughs> and I was on my passion. Um, so, I, but but here I also got the say the consulting uh, uh, expertise, and after that I was like, okay, so consulting. Uh, uh, is great with McKinsey, but do I really want to do this uh, for the rest of my professional life, uh, which still is quite long. And I decided to open up uh, my first um, company, which was a service provider, business process outsourcing Mm -hmm. in the area of accounting, obviously. Of course. (laughs) Um, And uh, we did that for small and medium-sized companies in the uh, German speaking market. Um, but then um, there were in the air about technology, so in the 2014, 2015, that um, technology is going to eat also services or, or software is going to eat it all, basically. Right. Um, and I was thinking about um, how can I make this connection between the accounting function and technology? Mm-hmm. Um I had a lot of conversation, uh, was able to convince my uh, co-founder, uh, who is a technology guy, uh, to join me in this experience. And uh, we had uh, very good prerequisites because of the large data, which we already had uh, in the service provider uh, it was obviously easier to create AI models uh, around um, accounting automation mm-hmm. and accounting collaboration than if you start uh, from scratch. And here would say that was the starting point of uh, the success of Finmatics.
0: And in your experience, that's an amazing uh, story. So you have lived uh, all over the world before. Um, now today you are in Vienna. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah. I've been uh, abroad in my professional life for sixteen years. Um, right. Central Eastern Europe, India, China, Latin America, Egypt. Amazing! Um, what a great experience. Always yeah. running, uh, always running accounting departments or consulting uh, yes. accounting departments. Um, but finally, from a private perspective i am austrian vienna is one of the most uh, lifeable cities in the world Absolutely. Uh, at a certain point of time i was happy to settle back again in my home country with my family and we happily live here
0: we just had uh, uh, an investor based, uh, based uh, there um, daniel from speed invest yeah uh, who has been on on the show so great to have amazing guests and amazing stories coming from uh Vienna so and, and you were introducing finmatics and uh, so what does uh finmatics
1: so finmatics uh, really helps um, accounting departments uh, our mm-hmm. customers uh, are either accounting firms um, mm-hmm. like KPMG PwC um Ernst and Young um which are the big fours so or known ones, um, or thousands of uh, smaller ones also, um, and also larger enterprise um, accounting departments in automating and collaborating um, in their in their uh, function. So there is a big pain point out there for these two nice. ICPS. Um, there is typically a usage of uh, on-prem systems, Mm -hmm. uh, accounting software, which have been around for quite some time, at least in the European landscape. Um, These systems, uh, because of their architecture, uh, do not have, therefore, the potential to grab Data for learning and uh, being able to automate using mm-hmm. uh, artificial intelligence uh, methods, and uh, we are partnering up with them. Um, they see us; they see us as a as a great complement, as a great uh, supplement uh, to to right. to their offering. Um, and uh, so the the automation capabilities, as well as the collaboration capabilities, mm-hmm. which is typically today in Excel or in uh, email right. um, is uh, not uh, something that uh, people in the year 2023 uh, <laughs> would uh, would expect um, in addition to that, uh, there is a huge uh, shortage of uh, accounting professionals uh, globally, actually. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter to which country's podcast I'm listening in on an accounting perspective, uh, but <laughs> everybody is talking about uh, this one big thing um, where for which I also have an explanation because when AI just came around the corner around, say, seven, eight years ago, there were studies like the Oxford study and uh, the right. accounting profession was always very high up on jobs which will not exist in five years uh, or automate automated in five years now five years have gone even more years yeah. uh, the accounting profession is still around uh, but most probably people too- five years ago thought okay let me rather not go into a job yeah. which doesn't exist so there's a huge shortage um yeah. and uh, the combination of these two pain points um, gives our tool a a, a big um, advantage and a big uh, opportunity in the market. And we do three things. We connect to our accounting Mm -hmm. software partners. It's a very tight integration um, where we receive data and can send data back as well. Then the second piece is uh, automation of uh, accounting transactions where we do say, capture or read the basic data which we however consider more as a of of a commodity Um, but then there is really the accounting knowledge applied to it so which Mm -hmm. gl account uh, uh, does it belong to what is the tax treatment uh, around uh, a transaction and also compliance topics so general legal country uh, or or eu or or international requirements right. like okay the, in, the the transaction is issued to the right uh, person or, or the right company or not um that uh, is also part of our activity and with that we help uh, the accountant to relieve a large chunk of their day-to-day activities by automating the transaction processing and give them then an additional activity or additional uh, tool uh, part of our product suite, which is the collaboration part, because 20, 30 percent of the transactions need to be talked about. Like what I mentioned before, a -hmm. transaction might have been issued to the wrong organization. Then the accountant needs to take action and write the supplier or another department within the organization or customer whatsoever and clarify that, uh, topic. So all in all, um, we give, uh, the accounting departments, more air to breath, uh, which currently, right. uh, where currently the air is very thin, uh, yeah, very in right. all accounting organizations. Um, and that's why we are also well received in these organizations.
0: Absolutely. Super, super amazing. And, and I think that anyone that, that, has, that has a company or can relate to this activity understands the, the pain of, of accounting, accounting and we we respect our accountants. <laughs> Sometimes they will be too strict about some of the expenses and, and so on, but uh, we always respect their labor and it's good to have a tool that can help uh, make their lives a little bit easier uh, while also making the 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 accounts look good uh, at the same time and, and be precise, right? Absolutely. So in terms of go-to-market, uh, Christoph, you're talking about those two uh, main ICPs, so clearly uh, an enterprise go-to-market motion. Um, any other lessons learned? We know that uh, having a great product is important, but having uh, the right distribution is even more critical, right? So, yeah. So um any any lessons learned on on that chapter and how, how have you been scaling uh, the finmatics uh, go-to-market motion
1: definitely so the uh, go-to-market uh, was certainly something where we took a little bit of time uh, to <laughs> well, uh, well. build it up uh, to the extent of uh, where we are today um i'm happy and proud that today it's working uh, very very well uh, which also the growth rates over the last couple of years have proven uh, the results uh, for that strategy but uh, we have two pillar strategy when it comes down to the go-to-market strategy um As I already said before, from a product perspective, we are still working uh, or we are working uh, together with accounting uh, software providers because they do still have many parts uh, which uh, we are not um, covering, which is also Mm -hmm. not the intent to replace uh, those parts from our side and we do partnerships with them. So we are currently from a go to market Mm -hmm. strategy only active in the german-speaking market uh, so actually mm-hmm. in Germany and Austria mm-hmm. so not in Switzerland nice. uh, because they also speak German um, and yeah. we have partnership uh, with the main software providers here they are called datef in Germany and BMD and ZL in Austria uh, we have great relationships with them um, it's uh, a either a marketplace type of uh, of partnership or even tighter where uh, from a technological perspective I said, okay, there needs to be a, a, a huge integration or an intense integration anyway. But then from a sales perspective, they're supporting us also always in a great way. Uh, we are on their conferences. Uh, they're promoting us within their customer groups and stuff like that. So this is our, Uh, First uh, pillar, uh, which is Mm -hmm. very important, uh, partnerships with the uh, accounting providers, Um, we sell our product to accounting departments, um, Mm -hmm. to these two ICPs. The accounting firms and the enterprise finance departments right. um, and the prerequisite always is, is that the technographics are right uh, so that means that um, if we if we are getting contacted or if we contact by outbound an uh, accounting department then they have to have or have to use um, this software, which which we have a partnership, okay. because only then our product is really uh, working right. well, uh, and we don't do, say, customs integrations. If you want uh, to software tools uh, which we don't know uh, yet, so we have right. on our product roadmap obviously to continuously integrate new mm-hmm. accounting tools. But uh, if somebody comes to us and say, "I would like to work with you," it seems to be a great tool uh and a great value for my department however i'm using xyz and we don't have a partnership we would say hold on right. can't do this right now let me check if it's on our uh, integration right. roadmap uh, let's talk again in one year or six months or, uh, or whenever or whenever it's ready right uh, so with this we we are able to reach quite a bunch of Accounting departments because for mm-hmm. the German speaking markets we reach like 95% of all accounting departments. Okay. Yeah. Um <laughs> in Germany, in general, you have or in, in Germany and in Austria together you have around four million companies. Uh so that's already something yeah. to work with. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we don't have one hundred percent of the customers as per now. Okay um but you you can reach there 60,000 uh, accounting firms and around 100,000 um enterprise finance departments who are using this software and we also have a partnership with SAP yeah okay. in that respect when it comes down right. to larger corporations right. um so these are the ones we are selling to um right. we are actually selling to throughout all channels um our predominant channel is outbound so Through to marketing activities, which I would call first and foremost in the area of thought leadership activities. Um, We are known uh, within the experts uh, of accounting. Um, So our predominant channel is outbound. There's also quite some inbound and we also have partner channels because especially in Germany there is Mm -hmm. a well elaborated and educated uh, partner uh, network uh, for these ERP systems uh, with whom we work very well together as well so all three channels uh, in place uh, direct and indirect Um, and uh, yeah we are happy with the current growth rates but obviously those will increase or shall increase also in the future. Right.
0: Something that I really would like to highlight, especially for the ones who are listening to us, Christoph, is it's really the, the radical focus on your uh, thought process. So the clarity about the geographies that you are serving, the target, the the number of uh, uh, companies or departments or partners in, in each of, of, of those segments. So there there is a lot of clarity there and what are the channels that you are currently using, but also understanding that you have potential to use much more uh, segments and much more softwares and much more providers. But you decide not to at the moment to ensure that you have enough market penetration in the segments that you are serving today. Uh, avoiding to increase the complexity too early. uh, That will also slow down uh, your uh, growth process. So I I really would like to highlight that the component of radical focus that I always talk about on this show, I
1: think it's it's really important and, and congrats for that as well. Yeah, thank you. So this is also not from the start of our (laughs) companies like this. Thanks thanks for sharing. It it encourages (laughs) all of us, even
0: even myself.
1: (laughs) It took us a little bit of painful moments uh, to, uh, not a little bit, it took us uh, some painful moments uh, to come up actually with that uh, clarity. Um, And yes, I mean, Especially we are in a very lucky situation because at the end of the day, if you take a look at our product, you're in the situation that in theory, every company in the world would need it because every company in the world would the does thing. have to do accounting for whatever exactly. reason. So for the reason of everybody has to do it from a government perspective obviously and uh, smarter and uh, smart companies are using it also for standard. transparency yeah. and uh, and uh running the business taking decisions uh, for for the future of the business also yeah. um, so to say okay I have a potential of 350 million potential clients where do I start <laughs> and what to focus on mm-hmm. um it took us a little bit of time uh, to find that out. Um, right. So, uh, But now it helps us a lot um, to really focus our resources, um, which are always uh, scarce. And it doesn't matter yes. how much money you have at the end of the day, uh, the resources are always scarce, yeah. uh, to focus them on the items of where we believe. Um, is the right uh, area for increasing the value of the organization. Yeah. Um, there was one additional item as well, which helped us a lot to focus um, on an operational level because the first one which I explained was rather strategic, uh, which was the introduction of OKRs, um, which we introduced last year. So we can focus uh, uh, everybody within our teams and our organizations uh, to those items, which are important for the organization that we are all aligned on our goals of what we wanna achieve in the quarter or in the year. And uh, much more important also is to say, okay, we clearly define what we don't do, right. <laughs> and that very often uh, is more important than uh, to highlight at what you have to do. Because yes, there were times when we tried to do one hundred things at the same right. time, uh, and uh, we were not succeeding in one of it. Yeah. And it also shows why you were able to
0: get to uh, to grow so so fast in in the last uh, years and get to five million ARR shows there is product market fit clearly on those two ICPs in in those geographies. Uh, And of course, something that I've also learned is now when you start opening or uh, in the future, when you start opening new variables of those ICPs or adding new ICPs, it will not get back to the beginning, but we need to be very humble to understand that we will need to find, again, product market fit on those new segments that will be uh, launching, but uh, yeah, definitely, as you said, there is so much potential to grow yet in the current ICPs that we can start start planting the seeds with calm. That when they are able to scale up, we are able also to press the pedal and uh, and move forward, right?
1: Absolutely. Cool and
0: and that's why uh, and this is really fantastic. Let's let's get into the fundraising uh, chapter and a little bit of your of your story. So, which was a, a long bootstrapping mode and raising uh, an A round almost with five million uh, ARR in revenue, which is quite impressive, I would say. If a lot of companies in the in the craziness recently would even get to the one uh get to the series a uh, below one RR, um typically after one millionaire in normal times today we are in very uh conservative times so unit economics uh, are amazing but you have almost metrics to start thinking about the series b instead of a uh, series a uh so tell us a little bit more about your journey from from that perspective how did you fund um finmatics to to keep evolving and why did you decide to take uh, venture capital uh, yeah.
1: recently so maybe just a, a, a slight correction uh, on the introduction to our founding we have had angel money also before our series a okay. Um so it was not entirely entirely bootstrapped but as we are finance and accounting people uh our dna yes we take a lot care about the money that we are spending yeah um so you are capital
0: efficient but you still raise the angel round
1: we so we, ra- we raised them um, an angel round right um so we had uh, initially some uh, austrian angel investors uh, very cool guys eventually like they helped us a lot uh in um going through that uh, phase of the organization uh, seat uh, stage, uh, basically, and also prepared us for Series A. Um, Because there is one thing, which I wasn't aware of one and a half year ago, which is like, you have to be Series A ready, yeah? But uh, when I had the list of what Series A ready means, then it was like, okay, so let's do it. Uh, And uh, it took us six to nine months uh, from an organizational perspective to say, okay, so we think we are Series A ready now the the funding environment per se uh, we start the, the funding took an incredible amount of time however we have spoken uh, so long time and um, we had spoken with other people uh, before so we were not surprised that it's going to take nine months a year what servers so in our case from the kickoff uh, to, to decide that we go for a series A until it was closed. It was really 14 months, actually. Um, and uh, we started at the beginning of 22, where the markets still were quite uh, bullish. Yeah. Um, so we were also very bullish. <laughs> uh, and um, However, always also cautious uh, because as i said i mean we know our numbers uh, that's our bread and butter business anyway mm-hmm. um we also know the downsides of uh, an overvalued uh, organization and the implications right. of that uh, in future potential rounds so um because then you are you're not only battling uh, with your internal growth but you're also battling with an external environment where you have no influence right. on multiples <laughs> Um, so we were not as bullish as maybe as some other companies out there, but still more bullish than what the market <laughs> showed us in the second half of 22. Um, so we talked with more than a hundred, uh, VCs, um, we realized that funding rounds, which we heard were closed in three months, four months, five months, uh, in, uh, 21. Um then uh, really slowed down tremendously. So all the VCs um, s- seemed to get more risk givers, wanted right. to know much more about uh, the company, went much deeper into the details of the organization uh, than they might have done in 21. Um, mm-hmm. I appreciate that uh, because uh, I really would like to work uh, with, um, in a, a, a VC on a partnership level of uh, where the VC knows what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we found that um, it's uh, Mangrove Capital, um, great That's VC, international. Yeah. Um, we have now, say, since the beginning of a year in a partnership, but has started off very, very well. We get a lot of uh, valuable input from them. Um, also, um, on how to move now to a 10 million plus, um, um, ARR, yeah. which is obviously the, I would call it short-term goal. Um, so that should be reached, uh, within the next, um 12 months, uh, for, right. um, we also don't think that, uh, there is, um, there is many, uh, constraints to it because it's a, it's a huge market. But mm-hmm. still obviously a lot of work, uh, also some risk involved. Um uh, but we don't like have to introduce a new product or whatsoever um right. to be able to reach that, which is which is the um good great. news about it. Yeah. So yes, difficult times, um, but we always always heard so if you are if you have a good product and if you have uh great it will work out. Um, so that was the case. Um, we were also happy that we were able to choose because we didn't only get one term sheet, but we got several term okay. sheets. Um, and um, we definitely also wanted uh, then to go along with Mangrove because we have for the short term, midterm future of the company also uh, a very similar thought process while other investors might have wanted to us to go with the Series A money now to 45 different countries and expand and right. put the fund uh, in every capital in the world. Um, right. uh, we clearly agreed, uh, which what we think also is uh, is very smart that uh, mm-hmm. we stay in the German-speaking market uh, for the next uh, period of time and. Um, professionalize and, and and become better in, in in what we're doing from a sales and uh, product perspective, and then uh, start internationalizing. So, right. I mean, internationalizing. We have already internationalized because we went to Germany. Now, this is not right. this is always forgotten, um, despite it's the fact Austria that Austria and Germany
0: are not the same country. <laughs> uh, is that the question or a statement? No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, because people talk about that as it yeah. is a single region, but uh, still there are cultural differences. Uh... Yeah.
1: So despite the fact uh, that we speak the same language, some <laughs> people say no. But anyway, uh, so we understand each other. Um, the there is definitely there is definitely a difference in uh, in uh, go to markets and uh, what people are looking for in a product and stuff like that. Yeah. So we had our first internationalization experience also with Germany, but then to be seen what the next countries are. Right. not decided it's Im- yet.
0: It's important what you just said, right? So ensuring that um, you have investors that you would like to partner with for the next five to 10 years, and, and at the same time that they are aligned with your vision and uh, that you believe that you have a similar vision for the future for the company, right? So uh, sometimes we we forget that we try to adapt the narrative for what the VC wants to uh, hear instead of thinking, this is our vision for the future. We are open for feedback uh, because maybe we are wrong and those VCs see so many companies but we know a lot about our vertical our industry yeah. so we also have conviction that this is the future and then it's all about you know aligning if we really are able to work together and if we can find the common ground together to to build that uh, that vision
1: absolutely i mean we saw that already in the in the process itself uh, in the outcome or the 14 months of work was not only with an outcome that we have a great partner on our side uh, and that uh, we have uh, more fuel uh, for for our growth, but uh, the clarity of how I can talk today about uh, our future, about our strategy, about our ICPs um, is definitely also due to the 120 conversations uh, with uh, smart people who told us maybe at the very beginning, uh, no, (laughs) (laughs) what do you want? And they're like, okay, what do we actually want? What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Are you selling ice cream or accounting software? (laughs) Um, So um, uh, the clarity on how I can talk about uh, our company today definitely comes out uh, first and foremost of the process uh, of the Series A, uh finding talking with so many smart people who have such great knowledge about different companies, industries, who gave us always all along feedback and helped us to sharpen our value proposition, our company, and how we think about it. So it might not be that we took all the advice and say yes, this is how we want to do it. Yeah. Thank you very much, because then we would be a strange company today if we would have considered it all of them. Right. Uh, but Definitely, we thought
0: about quite difficult to do what you just said. Quite difficult, having so many contradictory advice, listening so many stuff, especially when you are getting a little bit thinking, uh, is this the right path? Uh, Maybe I'm losing too much time. Why don't I uh, focus more on the growth of the company instead of raising capital? So there are all of those questions that come to our minds during that process. uh, That is really difficult to filter out. Completely correct. Um,
1: yeah, uh, but yeah, but we always took the opportunity uh, to to uh, reflect on uh, feedback that we have received and what it means for us uh, and how we can uh, iterate and adapt it uh, for uh, our uh, operational and strategic well-being. Yeah so that was always important. and uh, it is really, it, despite the fact that it costs a lot of time, I'm faster now, or we are faster now, Right. Because um, so we have, done, because we have done all the work.
0: Yeah. And this is something important. You have, a, as we shared in the beginning of the show, you have an amazing uh, experience, leadership experience, multicultural experience. You understand the language of the investors. So you understand numbers, you know your numbers. Uh, so which which helps to create trust with investors. So when they ask uh, metric and you know the answer with uh, with precision, right? But at the same time, you didn't know too much about the venture capital world. Correct. So you needed to start relationships Nothing. from start. Right. So, and it takes a lot of time also to understand how, how the, their business model works uh, and how to be able to, to talk not only on their language in terms of numbers that you definitely uh, comment, but at a certain time, talking in their language in terms of how their business model uh works right uh, so this
1: was yeah. definitely i mean this is a very very valuable input uh from your side here also because uh, this is something um that we really had to learn um if i would consider what to do for example differently in the past yeah. four or five years uh, rather than the last year yeah. one item is for sure um uh, building up a network uh not one year before, I would like <laughs> to raise the money, right. but uh, start uh, to be in contact and uh, build up a network from the beginning of the incorporation of the company, right. or from the beginning of the incorporation of the idea. Let's put it this way: because the building up the network at the same time that you're in some need, <laughs> uh, or in a midterm need. Uh, of an yeah. investment uh, puts um, a lot of pressure and uh, uh, is definitely not something which is which was well done from our side.
0: And it's difficult to control this deceleration of relationships, right? So uh, there is always the timing if the person is available, not available, if it will click. So if you feel certain pressure to speed up, the 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 relationship nurturing uh, it, it might uh, create some damage to to the relationship because sometimes things just take a little bit more of time for people to naturally get into into that flow and when we try to force relationships uh, typically things don't work uh, so well right so, but, but the same in enterprise sales uh, I would say that that's also a, a a great lesson learned so if the client, it's not. It's not the client. It's not the timing for the client. The client doesn't have the problem. Uh, let's find another client that has the right timing and understands the problem, and we can help them uh, be successful in terms of, uh, in instead of trying to force things to to happen. But th- that's something difficult when we need to. Uh, move up the MRR and the ARR, and to and to be able to achieve our our quotas, right? So.
1: <laughs> Absolutely correct. Absolutely well described. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so let's let's go to another point, which is related also with uh, again. You have been leading organizations uh, and shared services where typically those organizations don't like. Uh, risk. So they are more conservative. So you are there to ensure that things work smoothly. That's a lot of people need to have very well processes designed. So which the venture capital is much more thinking really bold, big about the future, being super aggressive, and sometimes not having anything that uh, would be a pillar to, to be able to achieve that boldness, right? So you need to be really sometimes talking about the future uh, and and you are still are, are kind of the, 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 the famous sentence that that you are uh, building the parachute while you are going down, right? So <laughs> But you are saying, yeah, I will find out a way of building the parachute and I will not kill myself <laughs> at the end of this uh, flight. So the same happened to you in terms of, building that self-confidence and that boldness in terms of recruiting tech talent, right? For, for your accounting, uh, startup. So what, what has been some of your lessons learned around culture and recruitment in, in that component?
1: Yeah. So, uh, you're right. I have been, uh, spending 15 years of my professional life in uh, multinational companies. However, um, the, it also depends culturally when it comes down to risk profiles of where yeah. they are from. Yeah. So the, I've Same. been working for us companies. They are more risky so far, uh, risk taker yeah. than, uh, than True. German companies, for example. Um, and, um, I would say there was a certain glimpse of, uh, of courage and risk taking already in my professional life because I always grabbed opportunities. Uh, and that's why I was able to rise also fairly quickly, uh, within the ranks, uh, of hierarchies in, in the, in the multinationals. Um, however, uh, the startup world is completely different. Yes. Um, and, um, I guess one big learning here is really, um uh, to take more courage. Um, at initially I was very, if not to call it ashamed, um, uh, to try to hire tech talent, uh, because, um, I thought why should they be interested in accounting? Yeah. If they can work for the Facebook likes of, of <laughs> companies or Google, or whatsoever. Uh, and with the, um, say course of time uh, i was then starting to get more self confident and asking also so why why do you work for us if you can work maybe for cooler companies or or companies who do cooler verticals like accounting yeah um but uh, then figured out that so yes of course it's it's about the content of what we're doing but uh, we are cracking a a a, a very important global problem at the end of the day for B2B right. uh, number one number two working in such an environment of accounting where all the data is clearly structured for data scientists this is also like a, a dream environment uh, of where they can really get all their um, all their knowledge and, 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 and all their passion uh, applied to so um, and with the uh, speed um, to apply, I think that was for me pretty okay because um, I always wanted to to push things things forward. And uh, when I was still working in the, in the American companies, for me it was also is also the thing. So okay, fine. So now we have put in place a center in um, in Central Eastern Europe. By the way, there is another opportunity in India. So let's talk about this one also. Yeah. yeah so um and it is a, a great mix for me being in that um uh, environment of uh, uh trying out my boldness um in a in an area which is maybe not that bold typically accounting um <laughs> and rather more conservative and combine it however also with, with and we understand of, why and because the risks there are yeah. quite expensive yeah. And, yeah. and even yeah. legal yeah. Uh, yeah. risks right and combining it with the conservativeness which the accounting uh, activity uh, needs to come along with which is a legal um, uh, environment but also process so i'm a i'm a Black Belt, uh, educated Black Belt, for example, so Six Sigma and Lean
0: right.
1: has helped me since the beginning of my career pretty much also to organize things uh, in a professional environment.
0: I always I remember to to read a, a lot of books uh, about with Ramshanam, one, one of my main references, and so he was always talking about his times at GE with, yeah. with Jack Welsh, yeah, and uh, I've been there the also. He Incredible! To, exactly, he needed to train uh, a lot of uh, the MDs and the uh, business unit leaders on on Six Sigma and on all those uh, methodologies, um, and yeah, so so. I, I, I can relate to that world. I've never been there uh, inside that, that, that world, but uh, but yeah. And I think that's um, something that I was saying. It was not in a negative way. I was saying that multinationals, given the growth and the scale, they need to be able to optimize and reduce risk to be able right. to to survive. And we know that at the same time, they are trying to bring processes to also be able to combine that, cons- that that conservative approach or that risk mitigation approach to an innovation approach because they know if they don't innovate, they will also might m- may also die uh, if they if they don't embrace they don't embrace uh, any risks. But something that I also enjoy about your story is what you what you said before. About always taking a new challenge, uh, and being entrepreneurial already within multinationals, and after that you also started your own, uh, company before starting your second company in the um, in the VC world, right? So it shows that sometimes also, uh, let's say, the suspicion that we have about inviting people from large enterprise companies to to come for executive positions in in startups uh might be right or wrong so we need to be very careful uh about uh who about what is the background and the experience and the person and the attitude and the mindset of the person to to be adapted to to that context right
1: correct yeah absolutely correct well very well summarized (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's important because sometimes I, I think that and nowadays, I think, I think that in the startup world, things are moving. We are valuing more people that have both experiences, right? So for instance, for a startup that has an enterprise go-to-market motion like yours, it's super important to have someone in the company who really understands the pain and understands how things work in, in large uh, enterprise companies. And this is difficult to learn uh, if you have not been uh, there, right, or yeah, that's you true. didn't mm-hmm. sell to, to large enterprise companies. Cool, because then you can understand what is not being said, right? So what will happen? Who, who do you need to talk to? What is the politics thing? So what I, what do I need to provide in order to that person to uh, to feel? what will be the time that it will take on average? What is typically the process uh, that it takes? But anyway, just a, a reflection out loud. Uh, so let's go to the last segment of the show, Christoph, where we do your ping pong of quick questions and answers. So if you would have the opportunity to have a coffee with yourself in 2016 at the beginning of Finmatics, what advice would you offer to your younger self?
1: I guess the main advice which I would offer is to really be uh, more courageous uh, and not to overanalyze things before I get moving. This has uh, reduced a little bit of the speed that we have been putting in place over the past couple of years. Um, And um, so be courageous. If it's done diligently, um, it will work out fine.
0: Awesome. What are you the most proud of on your journey so far
1: when it comes down from to my professional life um i think it's really the curiosity um to try out different things to learn from different cultures uh live in different countries take on uh different professional activities as a a leader of a few thousand people in a large organization to a startup founder however always being an accountant, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that part. Worst advice ever received.
1: See, I don't think that there's actually bad advice. Um, I do hope that everybody who is advising you or take that for granted, uh, takes it as a good good meaning uh, and doesn't want to give you bad advice. So there is no bad advice, in my opinion. What I do if I, think okay it's an important question where i'm asking advice from i typically tend to ask more than one person so
0: (laughs) right so you can see the pattern yeah (laughs) but even in that time i think that and i don't want to interrupt the flow of of the of the of the quick question and answer it's really important to listen to ourselves and to follow our intuition and our gut and sometimes the counterintuitive path is the best path to go and the pattern will not give you a good advice let's say you
1: know. and that has been done yeah um but um if it's an important question few people myself yeah. let's see That's where we stand well. and then exactly. take a decision of where to go
0: absolutely and other resources your favorite book uh business or non-business
1: so um i have been uh reading uh lately a book which is called ceo excellence uh, which is from some uh, uh mckinsey uh senior partners uh which really have um giving me a lot of learnings of as the company is also growing uh what are patterns of being su- successful in uh larger organizations and um, i hope i learned uh, enough uh, to make the next um, growth and milestones uh ready for our finmatics organization here also yeah.
0: What is the name of the book again, CEO
1: Excellence.
0: CEO Excellence. Awesome. Favorite movie or series?
1: Yeah. I'm not a big uh, movie and series watcher in all fairness, but obviously I have to mention The Accountant. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So (laughs) if by any chance... um, Ben Affleck is uh, listening to this podcast. I would be happy to talk about uh, a collaboration Uh, on the uh, other hand, when it comes down to series, I'm a big fan of Matt Groening. Um, So Simpsons and Futurama is something which always makes me laugh a lot.
0: You know that some actors are starting to get into VC, so maybe <laughs> it is, it's definitely yeah. And, yeah. and maybe so Ben Affleck, not... ben Please call, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Please call Christoph <laughs> and, and tell us about the success story, <laughs> so we can <laughs> talk about it uh, on on your new podcast.
1: And finally, your
0: favorite podcasts, excluding this one.
1: Um. So typically I'm listening actually in German language. Um. So um. I have a few okay. accounting podcasts. Obviously. obviously. So to mention, um, one is called Cloud Accounting, um, and another one is called Accounting Today. They're both providing good insights on trends, uh, if you are interested by chance, uh, like me, in accounting. Uh, And when it comes um, down to technology from an English-speaking perspective, I, I, I love to listen to Lex Friedman um so yep. this is really uh, incredible interviews um that he is um, is Absolutely. is conducting there and recently i found out your podcast um congratulations so um, thank you krista it's been a recent valuable resource thank you uh
0: and, uh and and i'm super happy to have you on the show as well uh making it more available for everyone that are listening uh to us Christoph, it has been a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, Congrats for what you have done. And uh, you are always invited to come back to share the, the next chapters of your story. All the best.
1: Thank you very much, Mike.
0: And to our community, thanks for being there. As you see, we keep bringing you the best of the best to make your life a little bit easier as you scale up your company. See you soon and keep scaling.